Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to see you, as always. Thank you for spending some of your Sunday morning with us here at the Vista in worship. Before we get into our text this morning, I got a few things to kind of bring to your attention or or highlight for you. Uh, If you've been with us through the month of July, one of the things we've been doing is highlighting a different aspect of our discipleship pathway. So just a reminder, our discipleship pathway is these five things that we would say, if you will submit to and and, and walk in, practice these things, um, you will position yourself well to be a more fully devoted follower of Jesus. Again, if our, if our call as the church is to make disciples, then um, this is kind of the pathway we've kind of laid out and said, look, if, if you'll do these things, again, you will grow in your walk with the Lord if you'll commit to these things. So today I wanted to highlight serve. Um, serve is basically um, about you, us, getting our eyes off of us and getting our eyes onto others, onto the needs of the people around us. That's what serving is all about. Paul in the New Testament uses this language uh, of one body. He says, the church, we are one body with many different members. And uh, as such, all the different members have different functions and different roles. No one member is more important than another. And so um, I say that to say that you have been uniquely wired and uniquely gifted by God to serve his church. And we need you. We need you to serve and to help us be the church God has called us to be. So if you uh, do not have a place that you are uh, plugged into and serving on a regular basis, we would love to help you find that, that, that space, find that place. Um, maybe you're like, I don't really know. I don't really know where I should serve or what I should do. That's okay. You know the best way to discover where you should serve is to just jump in and start serving somewhere, Right? And you know what? If you, if you start serving somewhere and pretty soon you go, you know, this is just not it. That's okay. You can just serve somewhere different, right? Like we have a lot of different uh, possibilities, a lot of different places. And so uh, serving is one of those things that, again, it just helps us get our focus off of us and onto others. Um, and again, we believe you have been uniquely wired and gifted by God to serve the church. In addition, some of you, uh, man, there's, there's places in the community you can serve. We're partners to a lot of great ministries and organizations, and maybe it's, you know, during the week you have some margin or some, some places and times where you could be about serving in some other capacities, and so we would encourage that as well. Um, find ways that you can be about serving other people. It's good for your soul uh, to do so, all right? The second thing I wanted to mention to you, we've been highlighting this summer, um, our series is called A Shared Gospel And we've been talking about some of the associates and friends of the Apostle Paul who helped him do the ministry God called him to do. So each week this summer, we're trying to highlight another uh, group, a leadership group in our own church that helps us be the church and helps us lead here. And so this week, I wanted to highlight our college ministry and young adult ministry leaders. Uh, Here's a picture of many of them. Uh, Sydney and her team have done a fantastic job of helping build our college and young adult ministry. Um, I, for one, am unbelievably grateful to be at a church where there are a lot of uh, young adults that love Jesus, they're passionate about the mission of of God in the world. Um, I, before here, I was on staff at several other churches. And basically, the makeup of a lot of those churches was very similar. You had um, vibrant kids and student ministries, and then you had really vibrant senior adult ministries, but it was kind of like God had like raptured all the young adults, you know, like I didn't, there were no young adults. And uh, I love being at a church where 
man, young adults are here and they love Jesus and they worship and they bring so much energy and vitality. Um, And so we are grateful for our young adult and our college ministry, Sydney and her team and the leadership they provide in helping organize and build that ministry. Um, So can we just give our college and young adult leaders a hand this morning? Grateful for them. And all that they do. And then finally, the last thing I wanted to mention to you, um, a little bit of a sadder note, our uh, director of operations, Matt Irvin, this is his final Sunday with us. He has taken a job with the city of Colleen. And I wanted to just mention, you know, Matt has been on our staff now for about a year and a half, and he has helped um, over the last year and a half, he, he really filled a pivotal role. Um, and he's, he's helped us navigate some waters. We've made some new hires in the meantime. And Matt has just been, we're doing a series on people that, that love the Lord, love the church, that are often behind the scenes, but help, um, help us do what we do. Uh, Matt is a great example of, of that. And so I know some of you know Matt. You'll see him kind of floating around. If you see him this morning out and about in the commons, just would you just tell him how much you appreciate him? We're excited for what God has for him in the future and where God is leading him and the opportunity that he has, but we're certainly going to miss him. And then we're, uh, you can just be in prayer for our leadership as we consider kind of filling his role and what that might look like going forward. That's uh, certainly a, something we're, that's on our, on our radar and something we're praying, praying for as well. So Acts chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts 18. I mentioned that we are um, getting close to the end. We've got a few more weeks in our series, A Shared Gospel. And this summer, it's been a character study each week. We're looking at, again, close friends and associates uh, of the Apostle Paul. Uh, we're all familiar with Paul. Uh, Paul is kind of a big deal in the New Testament. He, he writes like two-thirds of the New Testament. He, he planted churches. He traveled all over. And so we're familiar with Paul. But again, I remind you every week, Paul never did anything on his own. Um, the mission that, that God has called us to is not an individual endeavor. It is a community. It is a group effort. And, and Paul's ministry shows that. We've looked at a number of different men that traveled with Paul, preached, taught, helped him plant churches, logistically handled things. We looked at a, at a lady named Lydia in Philippi, a godly woman who was instrumental in the church getting started in Philippi. And this morning, we're going to look at a godly couple. It's a married couple named Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila. Um, I'll give you a few things about them just as we get started. Again, they're a, they're a godly married couple. They are mentioned in four different books of the Bible. And we'll look at all four of those places this morning. They're, they're mentioned in Acts in Romans, in 1 Corinthians, and then in 2 Timothy. They are, they are mentioned. Um, they are always mentioned together, interestingly enough. They're always mentioned together, which, again, it's, it's pretty unique. They, they, they must have had a really strong, solid marriage. They traveled together. They ministered together. They, they worked together. Um, they did everything together, so they're always mentioned uh, together. Interestingly enough, Priscilla is usually mentioned first. Um, there are a couple of places where Aquila is mentioned first, but most of the time when Paul refers to this couple, he mentions Priscilla first. And we don't really know why that is. Um, there's been some people try to read into that a little bit and speculate. Truth is, we don't know why. It could be that Priscilla was maybe the more mature believer or had been a believer longer than her husband. Um, it could have been that maybe she was a little more available uh, as, as Paul uh, kind of worked with in, in this, this particular couple. She might have been just a little more devoted uh, to the mission or to the cause. We, we don't really know, but interesting that Priscilla is usually mentioned, is usually mentioned first. We're going to see that they owned a pretty profitable tent-making business. 
Um, we, we know it's pretty profitable because every city that they found themselves in, they had a home. Um, and they opened up their home for the church. And so um, they own this, this tent-making business. Again, it would have been in that day and time, a lot of people sort of nomadic and moved around a lot. Uh, and they would need these big leather tents. And so apparently they were doing quite well. Uh, in fact, they employ Paul for a season of his life. We'll see here in Corinth in a moment. Um, and so they're, they're, doing, they're doing well in their, in their business. The thing I want to highlight about this couple that I think hopefully we can kind of learn from is that when I look at their lives, what I see about Priscilla and Aquila is that they lived what I would call missional lives. They lived missional lives. Now, if you look up the word missional, you will probably find that it's not even a real word, right? It's a, it's a church word, but a lot of people don't, don't talk like that. They don't use the word missional. And so let me give us a working definition. When I say missional, what I'm, what I'm talking about here, okay? I'll define it this way. Missional means to live in such a way that the mission of God, the missio Dei, or the mission to which God has called us takes precedence over other pursuits. Okay, I'll say that again. To live a missional life means to live in such a way that the mission of God or the mission to which God has called us takes precedence over other pursuits. So when I say the mission to which God has called us, there's a lot of different language you can put on that, right? Um, evangelism, pointing, leading other people to Jesus, making disciples, um, building the kingdom together, the work of the church, um, whatever language you want to put on that, the mission to which God has called us takes precedence over other, other things and other pursuits. When I look at Priscilla and Aquila, that is what leaps off the page to me. Because this is a couple who had a lot of the same distractions and a lot of the same issues that, that most married couples have. They owned homes, they had bills to pay, they had a business. Um, and yet, everywhere we see this couple, man, their, their concern seems to be for the mission of God, the gospel moving forward. And uh, I think you'll see that as we look into their life. In order for us to live missional lives, then there's going to be some things we got to be willing to do. And so what I want to do in our brief time together this morning is I want to share just four things that I see in their life. Uh, they had a willingness to do some things that if, I believe if we're going to live missional lives, that we need to have a willingness to do the same. All right. So their story is found in Acts chapter 18. That's where we're introduced to Priscilla and Aquila. And I'll pick up there, Acts 18, beginning in verse 1. It says, after this, Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and Greeks. So we are introduced to this couple. Paul meets them in Corinth. Most likely they meet because, again, Paul was a tent maker by trade, and they had a tent making business, and, and so that's most likely how they originally connect. Um, and, and then, you know, again, what we find uh, from, from Priscilla and Aquila is they're in Corinth, but Corinth is not where they're from. They're in Corinth, but that's not where, where, where they're from. They're from Rome, they're from Italy, and they're only in Corinth because Claudius had kicked all the Jews out of Rome. It was this racist thing. He said, all the Jews got to go. And they end up in Corinth, and that's where Paul meets them. We're going to read some more about their lives here in a moment. 
They're in Corinth. They follow then Paul. They go to Ephesus. They're in Ephesus for a while building the church. When Claudius dies, they go back to Rome. They're in Rome hosting the the church in their home there in Rome. We're going to see this. Here's the big idea to start with. Number one is that Priscilla and Aquila, they had a willingness to go wherever God leads. They had a willingness to go wherever God leads. Notice they're in Corinth, not because they want to be. It's not like they looked around and thought, you know, Corinth is beautiful this time of year. We should, we should go to Corinth and start a new business and buy a new home and start all over. Like, they're there because of uh, something going on in where, where they're from. They didn't choose to go to Corinth. They ended up in Corinth, right? And yet what we find is that even though they're there under, we'll say, less desirable circumstances, they don't, they're not whining and griping and complaining. Um, they're, they're, they're basically there going, okay, this is where we are. This is where God has led us. How can we be about the mission of God here in Corinth? They were willing to go wherever God leads. We're going to find them in their life in these four books of the Bible. It spans about 20 years. And in about 20 years, they're in multiple places. And everywhere they go, wherever God leads, they're willing to go. And they, they're about the mission of God. They're about the purpose of God. Here's the question for us this morning. Are you willing to go wherever God leads? Maybe it's, uh, you know, God calls you to another place altogether. Maybe God calls you to another part of the world, another state, another region, another job, another, whatever it may be. Maybe God never leads you to go anywhere else, but I can tell you this, he's leading you to, you know, love your neighbor, go across the street and love your neighbor or love your coworker or your, the people that God places around you. Are you willing to go wherever God leads? We're never going to live missional lives. We're never going to live missional lives unless first and foremost, we're willing to go wherever God may lead. Priscilla and Aquila show us what it looks like to, to go where God leads, wherever God, wherever God opens that door. So we see here in chapter 18 that originally they meet Paul, and then it says that Paul came and stayed with them. So again, they meet this guy, they meet this single guy named Paul, and they're like, hey, uh, you need a place to stay? You need a job? They sort of open their lives up to Paul. Paul goes and he stays with them, and then look at verse, uh, verse 11 says, and he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And then down in verse 18, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him, Priscilla and Aquila. At Chenchuria, he had his hair cut, for he was under a vow, and they came to Ephesus. And then he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay longer for a period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. So, Basically, what you have is Priscilla and Aquila, they meet Paul, and then they just go, hey, you want to come stay with us? You need a place to stay? You need a job? And it's not like Paul went and stayed with them for like a day, a week, a weekend, a month. Paul literally stays with them for like a year and a half to two years. He stays with them all this time. Then they've developed such a unique relationship and built such good community that Paul's like, hey, I'm going to go to Ephesus and continue the work. And they're like, we want to go with you. So they go with Paul. And I've really never caught this before. I've always thought Paul's the guy that like starts the church, plants the church, establishes the church, and then moves on. But in, in Ephesus, that's not exactly how it happens. In Ephesus, he goes with Priscilla and Aquila. He runs into the synagogue real quick to teach, and then he leaves. You notice that? 
Paul leaves, and he leaves Priscilla and Aquila there in Ephesus. And we're going to meet a guy named Apollos in a minute, that they, they begin to kind of help one another. And essentially, the church in Ephesus gets its start from Priscilla and Aquila and a guy named Apollos. Paul's going to come back later and, and fully kind of establish it in leadership, but, but essentially, it's Priscilla, Aquila, and Apollos that, that get that church going there in Ephesus. We're going to see that Priscilla and Aquila open their home. In fact, I'll share a few other verses with you. And over in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, Paul's wrapping up his letter, his first letter to the Corinthians, and he says, first, uh, sorry, 16, verse 19, he says, the churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Prisca, that was another name for Priscilla, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. Over in 2 Timothy, as Paul's wrapping, wrapping up his letter to 2 Timothy, this is now Ephesus. In verse 19, it says, greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. We'll look at another text in a minute in Romans chapter 16. As Paul's wrapping up his letter to the Romans, he's going to say it again. Greet the church in their house. So here's what we see. Paul meets Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, they quickly invite him into their home. Come stay with us. He's there for a long time, building community with them. Then they go to all these different places, and in every place they find themselves, they open their home to host the church. My second big idea about Priscilla and Aquila is they had a willingness to build community wherever they went. Wherever they went, they had this, this openness, this willingness to build community. And I'm going to emphasize the word build. Community is built. It's not found or discovered. Okay? We've talked about this a lot in our, in our membership classes, like, community is built, it's not found or discovered. Some of us have this idea that we're going to like stumble into community, that we're going to roll into a small group or a group, and we're going to all of a sudden, the, 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 the lights are going to start just coming on, and they're going to be like, man, these are my people. Like, they're like me, they get me, um, and I just love this whole group. Like, rarely does that happen. Usually, community is built over time. Like there's this, this awkwardness sometimes, there's awkward conversations, there's awkward people. And if you don't think there's awkward people, there's a good indication you might be the awkward people. Like you could be that person, right? And so sometimes you have to take time to invest and to build community with others. I love the picture here. Paul's a single guy, Priscilla and Aquila are a married couple, and yet they do life together, they have fellowship and community together. Like we don't need to unnecessarily silo ourselves into groups of people that, that are just like us. This is one of the things I think the church, we got to work on. Last week, I talked about age diversity. I talked about the fact that, you know, Paul was older, Timothy was younger, different generations, and yet they ministered together and how it's good for us to get around people outside of our generation to see what we can learn from one another. Same thing with married and single. About a fourth of our church are single. About a fourth of the makeup of our church are, are single people. And, and we don't have a singles ministry here. And, and part of the reason for that is, again, I believe it's good and healthy and holy for single people and married people to do life together and have community together and learn from one another and serve together. And that's what we see from Priscilla and Aquila and Paul. They were willing to build community. Everywhere they went, wherever God led them, they got busy building community, meeting new people, engaging people, having the church in their home, hosting people in their home. If we're going to live missional lives, we've got to get to a place where we are willing to build community. Because, you know, the thing about community, I said this in the first service, like a lot of times we talk about community and how good community is for you. 
And that's true. You need community in your life. If you're going to grow in your walk with Jesus, you need other people to help you grow. And so there's this aspect of community where it's about you receiving from the community of others. And you need that. But community is a two-way street. Not only are you, you need to be in community so that you can be sort of poured into, but you need to be in community so that you can be missional and pour out into other people. You can't be missional if you remove yourself from community. You're not, you're not pouring into others. You're not, you're not giving your gifts um, on behalf of others. You're not ministering to anyone. And so community is this two-way street. If we're going to live missional lives, we've got to be willing to build community. And sometimes that takes time. Priscilla and Aquila teach us that. We'll move on. Um, staying in Acts chapter 18, down in verse 24, there's another aspect that we'll see with Priscilla and Aquila I think is worth, is worth noting. Here's what it says, verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. And he was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So John, John the Baptist, that was Jesus' kind of odd cousin, baptized in the Jordan River, a baptism of repentance. That's the only baptism Apollos is apparently aware of. So verse 26 says, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished across to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. So we have this episode here where you have a guy named Apollos in Ephesus who apparently is very gifted, okay? It says he was an eloquent man. He was a gifted preacher, teacher, communicator. He knew the scriptures. He was fervent in the spirit. He taught accurately the things of Christ. I mean, listen, that sounds like a good pastor to me, right? That's a good pastor, good preacher, fervent in spirit, knows the scripture well. But there's just something that he's, there's some information that Apollos is missing. There's a little bit of information that he's missing there. He wasn't teaching falsely or doing anything wrong. He was just, he had some gaps in his understanding of Christ and Christ's work. So Priscilla and Aquila, they pull him aside and they sort of pour into Apollos. They help sharpen and strengthen the gift or the skill that Apollos already possesses. Notice that? I love this little episode because here's the thing. As I thought about how this might have played out, it sort of dawned on me that this could have been a very divisive thing for the church, right? This could have been a huge conflict. This could have been something where Apollos gets mad at them for trying to tell him something and he goes off and does his own thing or Priscilla and Aquila are like, man, that, forget that guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. We're going to go do something over. Like this could have been a very divisive thing, but it doesn't turn out that way because Priscilla and Aquila handled it the right way. They approach Apollos and they simply with a lot of humility and love fill in some gaps in his understanding. I love this. I love this idea. They don't ridicule him. They don't disparage him behind his back. They don't mock him for what he doesn't know. They simply encourage him and build him up. Apollos also responds with a lot of humility, right? He, he, he's willing to listen to and seek some counsel from a couple that, quite frankly, is not as gifted in this area as he is. The Bible doesn't say that Priscilla and Aquila were eloquent with their words. It, it doesn't say that, you know, they didn't go to Bible college or seminary. But Apollos is willing to listen to this godly couple. Here's the thing. I've learned in my life in ministry 
that love and humility, a posture of love and humility towards others, particularly those that you might even disagree with, typically positions us for greater effectiveness in ministry. A posture of love and humility towards others tends to position us for greater effectiveness in ministry. And I love the way this plays out because both Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos walked in love and humility towards one another. And what happens is Priscilla and Aquila end up strengthening the gifting in Apollos. Paul, Apollos becomes a better preacher, a better teacher, a better pastor because this godly couple decided they were going to pour into him and help him, right? My third point then is that Priscilla and Aquila were willing, they had a willingness to invest in others. They had a willingness to invest in others. If you and I are going to live missional lives, we have to have a willingness to invest in the people that God places around us. It goes back to, again, getting our eyes off of us, our pursuits, and thinking about the people God places around us. How can I pour into? How can I encourage? How can I bless? How can I help sharpen the gifting or the skill in someone else? I've had people do this for me over the years in our church. People that would never want to get on this stage and talk to a big group of people. But they've been able to pour into me and to encourage me, to give me um, just some feedback. And, and, and those kind of things are invaluable. And while they're never going to get up here and, and do this, I, I can do this because of a lot of other people that, that are pouring into me and, and helping me um, sort of sharpen that, that skill. That's what Aquila and Priscilla do for Apollos. They're willing to invest in other people. Who are you investing in? Who has God put in your life that he wants you to pour into and encourage and finally, one more passage I want to look at, Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Paul is wrapping up his letter here to the church in Rome, and we see one other thing that Priscilla and Aquila were willing to do. Beginning in verse 3, Paul writes, Greet Prisca, again Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. And then it says, greet also the church in their house. There it is again. In every city they go to, they're just opening up their home going, church need, need a place to meet? Here you go. Use our home. Use our home. The final point here is that Priscilla and Aquila had a willingness to assume some risks for the sake of the gospel. They had a willingness to assume some risks for the sake of the gospel. I don't know. I wish we had more information on exactly what they did or how they did it. I wish we knew exactly how they risked their lives or risked their necks, as Paul says. I don't know how often, I don't know what they did exactly, but Paul is so grateful for this godly couple that he literally is saying, like, I owe my ministry, and, and so do the rest of the churches. All these churches full of Gentiles that we've helped plant, like, they're grateful for Priscilla and Aquila too. They're grateful because they risk their necks for the sake of the gospel. Listen, we live in such a risk-averse culture, don't we? I mean... Our, our security and our comfort are big deals. They just are. And, and I'm not saying that those things are unimportant. But I am saying that I believe that we, as God's people, if we're going to live missional lives, then we have got to get to places where the mission of God, the mission to which God has called us, supersedes our security and our comfort. I think if we're going to live out the calling that God has placed on our lives to be missional, we're going to have to get to places where our security and our comfort aren't the most important thing. Priscilla and Aquila took some risks. 
being a Christian in this day and age, in this society, in the Roman, uh, Roman world, w- was not, uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't full of security. It wasn't full of comfort. We are blessed in our country where, where that's, most, of, most of us, most of us in this room will, will never be asked to give our lives for the gospel. But there are some risks we may need to take. There are some challenges we may need to face. Maybe that's a risk to have the conversation you know God wants you to have with someone. Maybe there's a risk, again, to go to a place that God's calling you to go. If we're going to live missional lives, we've got to be willing to assume some risks for the sake of the gospel. I love, I love learning. I've never preached a sermon on Priscilla and Aquila before. I loved reading about their lives this week and, and learning a little bit more about them. And, and again, when I look at their lives across everything that they did and all the places they're mentioned, they seem to be a godly couple who just, even though they had homes and they had businesses, they had all the things a lot of us have, they just made the mission of God the priority. The mission of God took precedence over other pursuits in their life. And there's a, there's a challenge in that for all of us. And if we're going to live those missional lives, we've got to be willing to go where God leads. We've got to be willing to build community. We've got to be willing to invest in other people. We've got to be willing to assume some risks and stop playing it so safe all the time. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful today for this um, wonderful, godly couple that we get to learn about and read about. We're grateful, Father, that they lived such missional lives where the mission of God took precedence over other pursuits in their life. And God, we see from Paul that, that he was unbelievably grateful for this married couple that helped him and blessed him in so many ways. And Father, we're thankful that they were willing to to just do some things in order to be missional. And I pray, Father, that we, hearing this, would, would be encouraged and challenged to do the same. Lord, I pray that we would want to live missional lives, that we would be um, just aware that you would give us eyes to see the people you place around us each and every day, people that need to know you and your love and your grace for them. So God, give us opportunity. We pray for that. We pray for opportunities to be missional. We pray that as we go to work and as we engage in our hobbies and our interests and interact with our families and our friends, that the mission of God would be at the very forefront of our minds. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.